The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our weekly MLB Power Rankings show where we break down my weekly MLB Power Rankings column that goes up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this late Monday night just to add some context for listeners as we throw out various notes and observations. I'm Drew Silva. Joining me here and every week throughout the regular season is Janice Scurrio. Welcome in, Janice. I, I start every show by asking you, what you're looking forward to around the baseball world in the coming week. Now with the trade deadline and the rear view, we, we all survived it. Yeah. What you got for me? <laughs> all right. So the thing I'm looking forward to the most this week, uh, the Dodgers and Astros are going to kick off a two game series tomorrow for a 2017 world series rematch. And the starting pitching matchup is a doozy. Uh, so Lance McCullers will go up against Walker Buehler, who just won a uh, national league pitcher of the month, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, McCullers is having a heck of a season too. Uh, he's eight and two with a 3.23 ERA and 115 strikeouts in 97 and two-thirds innings pitched. So the two teams uh, met last year in the shortened season at Dodger Stadium and Minute Maid Park, uh, but of course not having fans in the stands was a huge difference. And of course, everyone remembers uh, Joe Kelly famously letting Carlos Correa know exactly how he felt about the Astros. So I feel as if uh, even though this is a short series, uh, we should see some interesting baseball played. Yeah, back in front of probably full houses there at Dodger Stadium who are really going to give it to the Astros. That should be a really fun series to tune into. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm looking forward to USA basketball. They play in the quarterfinals tonight against Spain. It starts at like 12.40 a.m. Eastern time. I'm going to try to stay up and just like write my power rankings and see how long I last, but... We'll see about that, but I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that game. That's always a good matchup, USA versus Spain, and you can find it on NBC or NBC Sports Network. I guess by the time people hear this, they'll know the final score. Anyway, uh, before we continue, here's a special offer for our listeners. Use promo code BASES10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge+. Plus. It can be either monthly or annual, and for any tier 
Not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but your subscription also covers NBA, NHL, and NFL content. So it's a great value and can help you if you play just baseball, if you have your hand in all sports. So remember, it's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. And we have the app. Uh, Don't forget to download the NBC Sports Edge app to receive real-time player news, mobile alerts, and track your favorite players. Uh, Plus, now you can check out articles and player cards, and the podcast will be posted there at some point in the near future. Apple App Store, Google Play, wherever you download your apps. All right, let's get to the rankings. We'll touch on all the teams in the top five, like usual, and then discuss the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers from last week to this week. And if you want rankings and individual observations on all 30 teams, look for the column every Tuesday at NBC Sports Edge. Usually goes up late morning, early afternoon. If I do stay up for that USA basketball game, maybe it'll be early morning even. All right. (laughs) Let's get to the top five. All right. Let's take a look at your rankings. Hopefully not too controversial here, Uh, but at number one for this might be the, I don't know how, how many weeks it's been at this point. Eighth, but they've eighth been, in a row, maybe? I think maybe yeah, eighth in a row. They've been first for a while now. It is the San Francisco Giants. So uh, Chris Bryant uh, just traded to the Giants uh, on Friday. He's making an impression already. So he's following in the footsteps of former Cubs teammates Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez. Uh, he homered in his Giants debut against the Astros on Sunday. Uh, so an, an interesting fact here Bryant Baez and Rizzo became the first trio in the modern era to each homer in their debut with a new team after playing on the same club earlier that season um, according to stats yeah I, I like that and feel bad for Cubs fans who've had to watch weekend baseball I guess they're probably not tuning in at this point but yeah another week has passed and the Giants still have the best record of baseball so got to keep them at the top and they faced a tough slate last week three against the Dodgers three against the Astros won four of those six games and the big Chris Bryant trade, like you mentioned, got him right before Friday's deadline within 20 minutes of of the actual deadline hour uh, for Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian, kind of lower level prospects. Another terrific move by Giants front office head Farhan Zaidi sort of waiting out Bryant's market. It seems like there weren't a ton of suitors for Bryant, even though he's been playing multiple, multiple positions for the Cubs this season. He's a former MVP and that bat should have fit with a lot of different teams but yeah the Giants got him a nice uh, offensive upgrade and like you mentioned he homered in his debut there on Sunday the other trade they made Tony Watson from the Angels adding him to a bullpen where closer Jake McGee just won NL reliever of the month honors for July Um, Watson should slot into like a middle relief role he's had some history in San Francisco McGee has been sensational this season though 23 saves 2.23 ERA 0.767 whip 47 strikeouts seven walks and 44 in the third innings maybe the Giants should have done a little more but they're being patient didn't want to give up any pieces that would harm the future and obviously Bryant is a big addition and maybe they really will pull this off winning the NL West for the first time since 2012, I believe. Been all Dodgers since. So Giants making a real run at it. 
All right, moving on to your number two selection, the Houston Astros. Uh, so the Astros were also pretty active before the trade deadline, too, and it seems as if their new arms are already contributing. So they traded for Kendall Graveman, uh, Yumi Garcia, uh, Phil Maton, uh, and Rafael Montero. They bolstered the bullpen, and they combined to allow just one run in five and two-thirds innings in the past three-game series against the Giants. Yeah, we talked last week about the Astros' biggest need being bullpen parts and certainly addressed that element ahead of Friday's deadline. You mentioned, I think, Kendall Graveman most notably, uh, Yami Garcia, two guys who were serving as primary closers uh, for their former teams would now be more setup types in Houston, at least, I don't know, Ryan Presley was like on the paternity leave list, I want to say. But yeah, Phil Maton, too, from the Indians, who hasn't had a great year, uh, but does miss a lot of bats. And Rafael Montero's kind of been a mess all season, but he was sort of a throw into that Graveman trade to offset some salary costs. So a bunch of new relievers added to a rotation and offense that have both been humming, both rank you know near the top five in, in all sorts of stats. The Astros are currently four and a half games up on first place in the American League West and should be able to continue to fend off the A's down the stretch, at least in my opinion. Um, Alex Bregman did experience a, a setback while playing in a rehab game at AAA Sugarland over the weekend, some hamstring tightness. So that's something to monitor. He was scratched from Sugarland's lineup again on Monday, maybe delays his return another week or so, hopefully not much longer than that. For now, it doesn't seem overly serious. So they should get him back in, in the early part of August at some point. Right. So moving on to number three, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. So I'm going to start off uh, this one with a little bit of a downer. Uh, it looks as if Tyler Glass now is headed towards undergoing Tommy John surgery soon. Uh, so here's to wishing him a speedy recovery. But otherwise, this was a pretty important weekend for the Rays. Uh, so they took three straight against the Red Sox over the weekend. And uh, they also completed their eighth, eighth sweep of three games or more this season, uh, which is the most in the American League. And they're also tied with the Brewers for the most in the majors. Uh, and this was also the second time Boston has been swept this year. The second time it happened was earlier this season by Baltimore. So most importantly, the, the Rays are now atop the AL East by a game, game and a half uh, as of Monday afternoon. Yeah, you mentioned the, the three-game sweep over the weekend. Also beat the Yankees last Thursday 14 to nothing. So winners of five straight overall, the Rays. And then, yeah, that, that huge sweep of the Red Sox put them in command of first place in the American League East. Nelson Cruz was really the only significant pre-deadline addition for the Rays, which I don't know, maybe, maybe the regret not adding more. Uh, they did get some sort of complimentary bullpen parts, but especially with the news breaking Saturday, like you mentioned, that Glass now will undergo Tommy John surgery. I, I feel like the Rays should have tried for a starting pitcher. I'm sure they did, uh, just weren't many options out there, and they didn't want to give up top prospects for a rental so going to have to lean on Shane McClanahan and Luis Patino down the stretch and maybe even into October. McClanahan and Patino are definitely talented, but I don't think they anticipated having to give those guys so many innings here in 2021. I, I think a, a veteran starter of some sort would have put Tampa Bay in a, in a better position to run away with the AL East and make a deep postseason run. I, that's probably easier said than done. There just weren't many high-impact starters available, and you saw what Jose Barrios, you know, brought back for the Blue Jays. And who am I to, to doubt Tampa Bay's front office at this point? They seem to, to know what they're doing. Like I might have mentioned before on the show, the Rays do not make a bad trade. 
uh, but we'll see how yeah. that works out. If the Rays call you and, and like want to want to trade you somebody or want to pick up one of your guys, maybe maybe give them a second look and be like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> we may talk a little bit about that because we're talking about the Brewers in a couple of moments. But anyway, uh, back to your rankings at number four, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, so they just acquired Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, a huge acquisition there. Uh, so like I mentioned before, uh, Walker Buehler was NL Pitcher of the Month for July. Uh, so he struck out 38 over 32 and, a th and one third of an inning uh, with a 167 ERA. So fantastic month for Walker Buehler there. Yeah, I, I said earlier that the Giants haven't won the NL West in nearly a decade, and then it's been all Dodgers since. And right now at three games back in the division, the Dodgers haven't been this far from first place at the beginning of August since 2011. But they were aggressive at the deadline, picking up Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals. And really, who had a better haul than that? Um, Scherzer and Turner, incredible uh, to get both of those players. Danny Duffy from the Royals, too. I, I know he's out with a flexor strain at the moment and probably won't be ready until early September. But Duffy has been excellent this season when healthy and could be a multi-inning relief weapon in the playoffs or, or make some starts possibly down the stretch or both of those things, really. I could see... Duffy working some crucial innings in October and kind of being a, a postseason weapon for Los Angeles. You mentioned Walker Bueller, just named NL Pitcher of the Month for July. Mookie Betts is back from the injured list and homered in his return to action on Sunday. Also started that game at second base, which is of interest in fantasy. If he can get like four more appearances at second base over the rest of the season, he could have second base eligibility next year yeah the defending champs they're not going away i'm sure they'll push the giants the, the arch rival giants all the way to the final week of the regular season the padres meanwhile um might might be in trouble after losing fernando tatis jr to another serious looking shoulder injury it's like what the third time his shoulder has popped out this season we're i guess we're not going to be talking about the padres on this show i, I only dropped them one spot but that rotation was a letdown in July, then a relatively quiet deadline after the Adam Frazier trade. And then the Tatis injury happened on Friday night. So just like just hours after they didn't do a whole lot on Friday, it's it's been a bit of a rough patch for San Diego, still holding tight to that second NL wild card, but uh, they could have some company if they don't turn around. They did not have a good month. At number five, rounding out your top five of your rankings, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so like I mentioned before, they were swept over the Rays over the weekend, an incredibly important series there. Uh, that contributed to a season-high four-game losing streak. So four games in the grand scheme of things, not a whole lot. Uh, the Red Sox are four and six in their last ten, but Red Sox fans probably shouldn't panic, and I have a feeling that you will give a reason why. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, losers of four straight and their grip and on first place in the AL East heading into Tuesday's series opener. I think that's against the Tigers and kind of a common theme from me this week, but the Red Sox probably should have gone after a starting pitcher ahead of the deadline. The truth is just, there just weren't many of them available. I know I'm a broken record with that. They did get Kyle Schwarber, but he's been out since early July with a severe hamstring strain, probably a week or two from being added to the lineup. Schwarber was on that near historic power surge before the injury. So it could be a big offensive addition once he does return, but not that the Red Sox really needed a ton of offensive help. Got some bullpen additions and Hansel Robles and Austin Davis. I, I'm sure Red Sox fans are upset. There wasn't a larger trade here, especially for rotation assistance, but Chris Sale looks to be one more rehab start away from returning 
finally from Tommy John surgery, and he's looked really good on that rehab assignment so far. And Boston wasn't going to sell significant long-term pieces, which I totally understand as somebody who's been saying this team is flawed all year on this show. Um, but with that lineup and, and sale coming back and hopefully they get Schwarber into the mix in about a week, could be a, a more dangerous looking team than they were pre-deadline, certainly. All right, let's go ahead and move on to your biggest risers. Uh, so at number seven, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, climbing up one spot from number eight. They've currently got a seven-game lead over Cincinnati. So a couple of players that I'd love to talk about. Uh, so Tyrone Taylor since the All-Star break. Uh, he's got a 1.045 OPS and 74 plate appearances over 13 games played, including two homers. Uh, I was I witnessed two of them, actually, unfortunately against my White Sox, but I still enjoy watching I, I, I still enjoy watching good players play uh three doubles uh 10 rbi 11 runs scored and five walks drawn like we mentioned before the rays don't make a bad trade but i'm starting to believe the brewers don't make a bad trade either so R rowdy telez is another one uh since joining milwaukee so he's slashing 326 407 630 which includes four homers nine runs scored and 12 12 rbi and six walks drawn uh willie adamas is another player that i've been singing the praises for for the longest time but anyway yeah those brewers how about him yeah, they've made some crafty moves uh, for some much-needed offensive upgrades. They've won seven of their last nine games against the White Sox, Pirates, Braves, now sitting 20 games over the 500 mark, and like you mentioned, seven games up on first place in the NL Central, which is rarefied air for a Brewers team. They've never been that far over 500 or that far ahead in the division as of August 2nd in any season in franchise history. Um, and they've had some successful seasons in the past. There's a World Series win, and a bunch of teams that have made the NLCS did a little upgrading at the deadline. Eduardo Escobar. Uh, I think he homered in his home debut on Monday. I was watching that game earlier. Um, that's a, a nice upgrade offensively, at least at third base um, bullpen ads like John Curtis and Daniel Norris. Um, at the end of the day, if the Brewers can keep Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta healthy moving into October, they're going to be a scary team to play. If you have a three-headed monster like that in a postseason rotation where you usually only need three starters, maybe four, um, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, maybe could have aimed a little higher for some offense, but you mentioned Rowdy Telez and the Willie Adamas trade from May and getting something out of Tyron Taylor too. And it was a seller's market for power bats, and the Brewers should certainly feel good about winning the, the division at least with what they have and then being a scary team. Uh, come the playoffs. I, I should note this, that uh, closer Josh Hader was placed on the COVID-19 IL on Monday. That remains part of the news cycle, unfortunately. Hader will be out at least 10 days, the Brewers are saying, so that, that means that this is a positive test and not just some, so, some sort of contact tracing or other symptoms that aren't COVID-related. He actually is positive. Christian Yelich is expected to be cleared to, to the return to the club on Thursday following his own COVID IL stint. He'll probably do a few workout days before getting back into the mix sometime this weekend. So I don't know, some good news and some bad news on the COVID front for the Brewers, but they're they're in very good shape to go ahead and claim that NL Central over what remains of the regular season. I guess it's about two months. 
At number 10, the New York Yankees climbing up one spot. Uh, so the Yankees very active before the trade deadline uh, in uh, picking up Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. They swept the Marlins in Miami over the weekend, but in a strong AL East division, can they pull with the likes of the Rays and Red Sox? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned they swept the Marlins over the weekend, took two of three from the Rays before that. So in general, a very productive week for the Yankees. They now get three games against the Orioles four against the Mariners, three against the Royals after that. So this is really the time to strike if they are going to make up ground on the AL East or probably AL wildcard is, is a better goal for them in third position right now for that AL wildcard spot. Obviously need to be in the top two in the end. Uh, Rizzo's been a heck of a trade deadline pickup so far. Homer did each of his first two games with the Yankees. Gallo uh, reshaping the lineup with some left-handed power bats. And Gallo's a really good defender, too. Andrew Haney added to the rotation from the Angels. Maybe a, a change of scenery helps Haney turn things around. But he was getting hit hard by the Orioles on Monday night. Had allowed four home runs last time I checked. Yeah, let me look at that box score. Yeah, they did wind up wind up losing 7-1 to the Orioles. So uh, not not the greatest night um, and not the greatest Yankees debut for Haney, but also some some minor bullpen additions for New York. I like what they did at the deadline. Uh, shook up a team that has been underperforming all year and didn't sell off the farm to do it. We'll see how Luke Voigt fits into the mix when he returns from his knee injury in the next week or so. It, it wouldn't be the greatest defensive alignment, but – John Carlos Stanton and left, Gallo in center, Judge and right, Rizzo at first, Void at DH. Again, not the most ideal defensive grouping, but that would be lethal offensively. And it, sh- it wouldn't shock me if we see it at some point. And uh, Jamison Tyone was named AL Pitcher of the Month for July after going 4 0 with a 1.16 ERA across five starts. He's been a, a godsend lately for New York. And this just came across uh, the newswire, i.e. Twitter, before we started recording. Garrett, Garrett Cole has tested positive for COVID-19 mm. and will not make his scheduled start Tuesday night against Baltimore. So that's not great. He'll be out at least 10 days, so may, maybe two turns on the rotation. Keep it locked on the NBC Sports Edge player news page for, for more updates. Hopefully not another like full-on breakout for the Yankees. They've had a few minor breakouts this season, especially among the coaching staff. Think of good thoughts for, for everyone on that roster and that, in that coaching staff. Indeed. Going to your next big riser of the week at number 12, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, so one thing I want to point out about the Reds is that they now have a positive run differential at drumroll, a positive one. So the other good news for the Reds is that Nick Castellanos may be returning soon uh, from his wrist injury. Uh, so uh, Sunday, yesterday, uh, he took batting practice on the field for the first time uh, since suffering uh, a right wrist microfracture on July 16th. Uh, so he's been throwing a couple of days uh, without issues. Uh, so hopefully he still feels good after hitting on the field uh, so he could be activated uh, as soon as tomorrow, just in time for when the Reds uh, play the Twins. Yeah, if, if there is a team that can catch the Brewers in the NL Central, and it's a long shot, but it's it would be the Reds. They've won five of their la- last six, seven of their last ten. You mentioned finally have a positive run differential of plus one. Still seven games back of Milwaukee, though, at least as we record here on Monday night. Only four games back of the Padres for the second NL wildcard. That could suddenly get a little tight, um, and it might be actually where the, the Reds should be aiming 
Joey Votto on, on Saturday night against the Mets came inches away from tying the major league record with a home run in eight consecutive games. He finished with seven, though. Uh, hit a line drive that went off the orange padding atop the right field ball at City Field, nearly crept over. Votto's been bonkers lately. In July alone, he batted 319 with 11, 74 OPS, 11 home runs, 25 RBIs in 26 games, was named NL Player of the Month for July. That's the sixth career player of the month award for Vado. And he's doing some late career padding to his resume for the Hall of Fame. I, I think he really will get in at this point. He needed a couple nice years to finish off his career. And it's look like it looks like he's going to be able to do that. And it'd be nice if, if the Reds got Castellanos back in the early part of this month. You mentioned he's starting to do some baseball activities uh, as he recovers from that micro fracture in his wrist. I'd say mid-August is probably more likely than early August for Castellanos' return, but he's he's making progress. Uh, Cincinnati got some bullpen pieces at the deadline. Michael Gibbons from the Rockies, Luis Sessa, and J- Justin Wilson from the Yankees. Not the greatest of upgrades, but the Reds didn't have to give up much uh, to make those upgrades. If, if Vado keeps this up and Jesse Winker keeps it up and Castellanos returns and picks up where he left off. Maybe they really can make up some, some noise and in, in the NL central or, or in the NL wildcard hunt. And also Jonathan India was named NL rookie of the month for July. He's been a really nice surprise for the Reds. All right. Yeah. That NL wildcard NL NL central too. Still plenty of room to make things interesting in both races. All right, let's move on to your biggest fallers of the week. Uh, so at number 13, sliding three spots down from number 10 are the New York Mets. So the Mets are an interesting case uh, because they're, they are in first place as of right now uh, in the NL East, but they have a negative run differential of negative seven. So they are sputtering a little bit. Uh, so uh, they did walk off the Reds on Saturday night, uh, but they dropped a 7-1 game to Cincinnati on Sunday. So they ended up losing that three-game series at City field but they've lost they haven't lost any ground in the division the thing is though they're also kind of relying on atlanta and philadelphia to also kind of skid similarly uh so uh yeah plenty of uh, weird issues going on over there in new york yeah just lost two of three to the reds like you mentioned traded wins and losses with the braves before that and then fell to the marlins on monday night i was just looking up that score six to three Yep, six to three final. So only a two and a half game lead on first place in the NL East. That's that's the smallest it's been in a little bit, at least. It's it's been around like four and, and three and a half for a while. And now it's it's in the twos. I said last week that my feeling on where the Mets should be in these rankings on a week-to-week basis uh, has very much to do with the status of Jacob deGrom. And deGrom's status right now is a little up in the air. He's been shut down an additional two weeks because of renewed inflammation in his right arm. So This IL stint that began in mid-July will now extend through at least the middle of August, possibly longer than that. There's still no talk of any structural damage, Um, so DeGrom should be back in the Mets rotation at some point. But even with the trade for Javier Baez and getting Carlos Carrasco into the starting mix finally, this this is not a great team without DeGrom. I think we could all agree on that. Uh, 1.08 1.08 ERA, 0.55 WHIP, 146 to 11 strikeout to walk ratio in 92 innings this year. Um, we don't know when he'll be pitching again. Hopefully, around the middle to end of this month. I think maybe more likely early September. Um, it seems like the Mets knew about this Degrom setback before the trade deadline. The news came out sort of right after it. So I'm a little surprised they didn't trade for another starting pitcher. I guess they got Trevor Williams in the Javier Baez deal, but he's not really a needle mover. And 
more of a long reliever. Um, they probably wanted John Gray from the Rockies, and the Rockies just were not open for business on Friday for whatever reason. It's it's so odd that Colorado did not do more dealing, uh, but whatever. Um, also, we should mention the, the Kumar Rocker story with the Mets' failure to sign him, apparently even make an offer. Tenth uh, overall pick in this year's draft after an electric career at Vanderbilt, but something didn't look right in Rocker's physical with the Mets. And the way I've read it, uh, because Rocker declined to participate in MLB's pre-draft MRI program, the Mets were in position to not make an offer to him and still get the 11th overall pick in 2022 as compensation. It's a strange system but that's the outcome rocker can now try to latch on with a non MLB league and, and prove his health there, maybe like independent ball um, and then re-enter the draft next year. It sounds like that's his plan from reading from his agent, Scott Boris's comments, who was obviously not happy about the way this played out. And anyway, it's very Mets development in that story. Oh boy. All right. So moving on to your next big faller, uh, the Washington Nationals sliding one spot down to number 22 from 21. So much was traded away right before the deadline. Uh, so like we mentioned before, um, they traded away uh, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They did pick up uh, a great pitching prospect in Josiah Gray, though. Uh, they did also win the weekend series uh, over the Cubs. Yeah, the, the battle of teams that like completely reshaped their rosters at the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if you could ask like a Cubs or Nationals fan if they could name like 12 players that are still on the team after Friday. Yeah, I, I wanted to actually drop the Nationals further, but once you get down here into the 20s, it, it's it's hard to rank them lower than some of these teams. And But for the Nats, I mean, the, the roster just looks completely different now after the last week. I, I think it was the announcement that, Steven Strasburg was headed for season-ending thoracic outlet surgery early last week that really set off the Nationals' fire sale. I believe that news broke on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and then you have, yeah, the Scherzer-Turner trade later that night. Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox. Brad Hand to the Blue Jays. There goes their closer. Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes to the A's guys who were getting a lot of playing time. And I probably even left some out. Um, John Lester to the Cardinals. Yeah, the Nats are, are going to try to rebuild this thing on the fly. I would assume Juan Soto is going to get a massive long-term contract extension here soon, maybe this winter or next spring. I can't imagine they will let Soto walk out the door. You mentioned Josiah Gray, part of the return for Scherzer and Turner. He was making his Nats debut on Monday night against the Phillies. Meant to check in on that. I think he, he was at like five innings of one run. Yeah, they pulled him after five, five innings of one run ball. Gave up a, a solo homer to a Odubel Herrera in the fifth inning, but that was really only the blemish, the only blemish on the night for Gray. Um, so that's encouraging. And that's also got Kibe Ruiz in that deal, a highly ranked catching prospect. It's going to be an ugly next few months in Washington, possibly an ugly next few years, but this is a team that's not afraid to spend big in free agency, and they just beefed up their farm system quite a bit. So hopefully the return to relevance doesn't take all that long. Speaking of uh, an attempted re uh, return to revel uh, revelance, no, uh, that's not the right word. <laughs> return to relevance, relevance. Rele there you go. <laughs> All right, at number twenty-six, the Minnesota Twins falling two spots. Uh, so the Twins shipped away their best pitcher at Friday's de trade deadline. Uh, so Jose Barrios was shipped to Toronto 
Twins pitching situation is a little bit more up in the air, uh, but the Twins also didn't trade away a handful of some of their core uh, players. So uh, Byron Buxton, whom uh, rejected a contract extension not long ago, uh, Kenta Maeda still around, Max Kepler, Josh Donaldson all still remain in Minnesota. Uh, but things do, do not look great uh, for the Twins overall, uh, so not sure what they're doing Uh if they're going to attempt to rebuild or just try to stick with the core group of players they have and maybe try for a run at a, uh, a division title next season. But uh, what is up with the twins? What are they yeah, doing? I think you summed it up pretty well. They're in a weird spot where, I mean, they just won the division pretty handily last year. And, and now all of a sudden they're, they're at the very bottom and, or, or at least, you know, near the Royals at the very bottom, I guess they've been trading spots over the last few weeks and, yeah, Barrios gone, traded to the Jays. I actually really like what the Twins got back in that deal. Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin, a couple of top prospects. I do get the vibe that the Twins wanted to do more at the deadline, like you mentioned, beyond trading Barrios and Nelson Cruz and Hansel Robles. There were late rumors about a Buxton deal possibly coming together after that, that contract extension did not get worked out. But I think those negotiations were complicated, both the extension and then a possible trade because Buxton – is still on the injured list and has had some real durability issues uh, throughout his career. Supremely talented player, but just has had trouble staying on the field. The same goes for lefty reliever Taylor Rogers, who's sometimes their closer. He got hurt during deadline week. Uh, they have another year of control of him in 2022, so probably pushing those dealings off to, to the winter. Maeda, uh, there were rumblings about him possibly being moved. Michael Pineda, Mitch Garver, uh, Josh Donaldson, Max Kepler, Mike, like you mentioned, all went undealt. Um, nonetheless, still a big roster to turnover for the Twins, who are three and seven over the last ten games. Not that it really matters. Fifteen and a half games out of the AL Wild Card race, eighteen games out of the AL Central. It's been over for them for a while now. Um, I think they would have liked to move more parts for more young talent at the deadline, but just almost like had too much work to do. So it's over for the twins, and and now this show is over too. That was a good segue, right? Uh yes. Uh, the twin season, this show over. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this week's Power Rankings show. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Power Rankings column. Goes up every Tuesday on NBC Sports Edge. Rankings, observations on all thirty teams. Rate and review the Circling the Bases podcast. We love five stars, but any feedback. Is welcome. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silva. Janice is at Scuriosa. And peace out. Peace.